Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to find your podcasts, including Alexa. If you ask Alexa to play the Buffalo Rumblings podcast, you will get our podcast along with the entire family of Buffalo Rumblings podcasts. We are so glad you took the time to find us here on this Memorial Day. I hope that you are enjoying uh, the nice weather and taking time to honor those brave men and women who have lost their lives in service to our country and the military. It's definitely, I think people forget uh, why we have Memorial Day and it's different than Veterans Day. So to our servicemen out there who have, have passed on in service and to their families, we salute you for your service. And we are so glad that you chose to spend a little bit of your Memorial Day here with us on Believe. I am John Bacassino, welcoming on my colleague and co-host, Jamie D'Amico, for what is sure to be a more depressing version of the pod. Uh, Last week, we went through the best players of the drought era from 2000 to 2017. Jamie, today, the other shoe falls, the worst players during the Bills era. I'm not sure about you, but my uh, my Prozac uh, supply uh, has been dwindling because this list is really making me uh, feel down in the dumps. Dude, I, I've i got to tell you that last week I had so much fun putting together my list and doing the research on the best players. This one I'm going through, and I got to tell you, I, I, I've got really mixed emotions. I'm not feeling great about this podcast like I, I'm wondering if the people listening to this are going to see the humor in it, which is what we intended, or whether it's just going to depress the hell out of people. Maybe we can hang our hats on the fact that at least we are not in this era anymore. We all made it through together. We helped each other through it, and we're on to a brighter future, it seems. <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely part of the, I think, appeal for us doing this was for therapy. You know, we've all been through the the battle wounds together of these awful Buffalo Bills teams of the 17-year playoff drought. So, Jamie, last week we laid out the ground rules. Same rules apply. These are Buffalo Bills players who predominantly played from 2000 to 2017. Nobody from the Super Bowl era or those playoff-bound Bills uh, will be considered for this rendition of the draft. For the most part, we have tried to instill a minimum standard of suckiness uh, and that a player had to have appeared, we'll say at least eight games started uh, will be a benchmark, uh, at least half a season, uh, because a lot of the players, if you suck, you're probably not going to play for more than a year or maybe two uh, for a team like Buffalo. So we have some glorious examples of terrible players to run through. And we encourage you to get involved in the group therapy by commenting on our worst of the drought uh, teams on social media and also on buffalorumblings.com. Just like we did last week, Jamie, there was a pre-show coin flip to choose who gets to go first. And uh, I uh, won the honor of getting to draft the quarterback who is going to be my uh, drought era worst quarterback. And before fans say some names, Listen, if we didn't have the minimum of eight games, there were so many guys that could have <laughs> gone in this radar. You know, Brian Brom. That was the first one I thought of. Brian freaking Brom, man. Hello. What a what a terrible. He was so hyped out of Louisville and uh, played for the Green Bay Packers. I say played. He was on their practice squad and didn't really see much time behind uh, their legendary starters, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. And then Brom gets released and comes to Buffalo for two years. 
I don't know how many career starts he made because I remember one game, I believe, against the Atlanta Falcons where he was just god awful. And so that was the only one. He had one career start. So you could have gone Brian Brom without the minimum. You could have gone Jeff Tool, uh, who threw a 108 yard pick six uh, against the undefeated Kansas City Chiefs at home. Uh, I recall that game because I was sitting in our end zone seats. And we're watching, and Tool had Sammy Watkins open, and he had uh, he had a uh, Bob Woods, Robert Woods open on these crossing slants, and he tried to force it into a tight window. I forget the Chiefs' corner who took it and ran back, and seeing him run 108 yards away from us was probably one of the most demoralizing sights of my Buffalo Bills fandom. So that's my Jeff Tool memory. Uh, actually, uh, I have two uh, just to share another one. You have two Jeff Tool memories, dude. I was in Cleveland the night that EJ Manuel hurt. Who, by the way, EJ Manuel is going to be my quarterback. I'm going to take. I'll get the cat out of the bag <laughs> right now since we've kind of gone down a little tangent. But no, my buddy Patrick and I made the road trip to Cleveland on a Thursday night to watch the Bills and the Browns play, and uh, because where else would you rather be uh, in in October than Cleveland on a Thursday night? And we had a great time at the tailgate, had a great time with the Bills fans and the Browns fans. And the game was pretty entertaining. EJ was you know, decent uh, during that game. But then there was a play, I believe, late in the third quarter. He was trying to go for a first down uh, as the Bills were in the red zone. And he was trying to get an extra yard, maybe a yard and a half. And he just completely got blown up on the sidelines, thus ushering in the era of Jeff Tool. So I was there to see Jeff Tool's. Uh, two most infamous uh, moments with the Buffalo Bills. How many fans can claim that out there amongst Bills Mafia, by the way? There's not a lot of them. Hang your head high, my friend. <laughs> yeah, so that is my my Jeff Tool stories. I'm going to take EJ Manuel as my quarterback. Again, I could have also gone with Nathan Peterman. Uh, and Jamie, you could still pick him as well. He had eight career games and four starts. And we all know about that five interceptions in 14 pass attempts game against the Chargers. But for the sake of this parameters of our discussion ej manuel is my pick the fact that he was the 16th overall pick in the 2013 nfl draft when he probably could have been there when the bills picked in the second round uh, or maybe even later in the second round uh, it was a reach he never lived up to any of his potential uh, his arm was nothing special he was 6 and 11 uh, during his tenure as a starter 3,500 yards combined in those 17 uh, starts, 19 touchdowns and 15 picks. And and Jamie, the reason I chose EJ Manuel above all those atrocious stats I just mentioned was when you ask me my memories of EJ Manuel, yes, he had a great fourth quarter comeback win over the Carolina Panthers when he hit Sammy Watkins for a last second touchdown on my birthday to beat the Panthers. That was an awesome highlight. Beyond that, EJ Manuel was good at one thing drawing dudes off sides. And for me, if you're going to spend a 16th overall pick on a quarterback, you got to get more than that. It was pretty funny to watch them bring him in after he became a bench warmer just to watch him draw people off sides on fourth and short. Amazing. Great talent, you know, but not a reason to draft a guy high. Now, my selection here, it, it's, I I was a little, I, I was a little indecisive about this one because Nathan Peterman was by far the worst quarterback to play eight games for the start eight games for the Buffalo Bills in this era. But I had to go with JP Lossman. He was a one trick pony. He could throw a deep ball to Lee Evans. Outside of that, he completed 59% of his passes. His QB rating was 75.6. That's awful. The guy had no feel for the pocket. He couldn't anticipate guys getting open. He was inaccurate. And to make matters worse, they traded back into the first round and got totally hosed by the Dallas Cowboys on picks to get this guy who did not belong starting in the NFL. That is why that's my pick, because they gave up so many assets to get this guy. Remember that time he had three long, deep touchdown passes to Lee Evans, I believe, against the Houston Texans or Miami Dolphins. I forget which uh, which game. That I can't was. remember which. And he looked like a bona fide starting quarterback. He looked like a star. And I think the Bills were victimized that year because you look at that draft class. You had Eli Manning and Ben Roethlisberger and Philip Rivers that were all taken in that draft class. 
And of course, Buffalo wants to get a quarterback. So they jump back into the first round, giving up the first rounder in the following year's draft, which could have been Aaron Rodgers. I know 24 other teams passed on Rodgers and the Bills uh, never had a chance without a first round pick that year. But that makes that pick even harder to swallow, Jamie. So good job on your ineptitude pick at quarterback. Who, uh, who are you feeling for running back? For running back, this one kind of kind of gets me in the heart a little bit because I always liked this guy. He was a hard runner. He did everything the team asked of him on special teams, blocking as a wide receiver. But when you look at his stats that with the Buffalo Bills, he averaged only 3.6 yards per carry and never rushed for more than 341 yards in a season. I'm going to go with Sammy Morris here from the early 2000s. Like I said, this this one's, it's a hard one for me because I loved the guy, but he played during a really bad era and he seems like the best of the worst. Yeah, you know, Jamie, honest to God, I was really hoping that he was going to fall to me as my all-time uh, worst running back only because he had that one great rookie season. I think he had five rushing touchdowns. He had four in the first six weeks. Uh, And then after that, you know, he did nothing special, uh, was a special team standout, but definitely nobody to write home about. So your running back selection was very, very good on your part. I guess on on my end then, since uh, since you took Mr. Sammy Morris, I'm going to go with a one year wonder who really epitomizes everything that was wrong with the Buffalo Bills uh, during their their draft class and during their draft or their their playoff drought. I'm going Carlos Williams, and you might say, whoa, that's a crazy pick. He had seven touchdowns his rookie year. Yeah, he did, but the dude also ate his way out of football, and he claimed that uh, his wife was pregnant, so he was eating along with her so she would feel uh, less insecure, and it was basically the baby weight that he was putting on. He ate himself out of football, took away such a promising start to his career, and it was so frustrating to see he hasn't come back. He's trying to make a comeback, I believe, in the Canadian Football League. Uh, If you really want a good story, The Athletic put out a piece on Carlos Williams where he shares his thoughts on Doug Whaley, the former Buffalo Bills general manager. And he. Oh, my God. Did you read that one, Jamie? Oh yeah, he did. It like the guy is so delusional. That's that's why I think he's going to make my team as the 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 worst running back, if you will, because of his attitude, being a head case. He told Doug Whaley to eat in uh, a part of his body uh, that is probably not going to earn him many many fans out there as well. So Carlos Williams to me is my cruddy running back. I'll put on there. There were some other candidates we considered. Sammy Morris is a great pick, just because he also went on to a pretty good career with the Patriots. Uh, after his Buffalo failings, but I'll take Carlos Williams as my running back of uh, lack of distinction, shall we say. Now, when it comes to our wide receivers, there are some pretty bad choices to go through. But for me, I'm going to go along the same lines of somebody who was expected to contribute and really didn't do diddly poo when he came to Buffalo. I'm going TJ Graham, the former third round pick. I knew it. You took mine. <laughs> <laughs> We're thinking alike so far on these first couple of picks out here. Uh, not surprising given our mentalities towards the Bills. TJ Graham, 69th overall pick, 15 games his rookie season, only caught 322 receiving yards on 31 receptions with one TD. Uh, that was basically his career highlight. His next uh, in 2013, he had 23 receptions for 361 yards and two TDs. And, you know, while the quarterbacks were terrible that were throwing him the ball and he didn't have the most accurate uh, of, of quarterback uh, play, he was a poor route runner and didn't have great hands and definitely never justified that third round pick overall. Absolutely not. And for mine, this is this is one of the things where it's not the player that annoyed me as much as the hype because one bill's drive is really good at trying to sell you a line of shit. And these players, you, you think to yourself, Oh, they're not any good. But then you, you know, you start hearing the stories from the mini camps and then the training camp and they start hyping this up and the PR machine gets going. And next thing you know, you're expecting great things out of Donald Jones who produces nothing. So that's going to be mine, Donald Jones, because in the three years where he was starting intermittently or in his final year with the Bills, 2012, 
Um, he never had more than 443 yards receiving. And this is the thing that really got me is his career catch percentage, which is the number of targets that he actually hauled in was about 53%. Now, granted, there's some bad quarterback play. There's some bad offensive line play that goes into this, but you got to catch more than half the passes thrown your way, my man. Yeah. You know, I'm glad you brought up Donald Jones because my top four of ineptitude for receivers were TJ Graham, Donald Jones, Jordan Matthews for his one ill-fated season in Buffalo, and Kelvin Benjamin, who I just cannot stand for how lazy and uh, you know how bad of a route runner he was. But Donald Jones, you're right. Awful. My God, I mean, dude, these that that's the thing where we're reading through, and for every Stevie Johnson who's a seventh rounder who overachieves, you have all these guys who underachieved. James Hardy only had ten career catches. He didn't get to make our list. He didn't play long enough, but. So many bad wide receivers out there. And Donald Jones was just a a great selection at being a horrible receiver. Thank you. And here's the other thing that is going to become, it's going to become something that is repeated throughout this process, which is after his final season with the Buffalo Bills, he was out of football. Now you don't want to let players go and then they become stars with other teams But what you don't want is to have such an untalented roster that your starters can't even get a backup job in the league. So pay attention to the players that we talk about, because a lot of that happened. Well, I'm glad you brought that up, Jamie, because uh, my tight end um, selection. Oh, actually, no, you get to go first on the the tight ends, right? Because I took TJ Graham and you went with your your wide receiver of um, Donald Jones. So you get the first of the tight ends. Who are you taking? Right. So my tight end, I'm going to go with a guy who started nine games for the Bills uh, during these years, and he put up a whopping seven receptions for 43 yards in that season for the Bills. His name is David Martin. Do you have any memory of that guy? I, I do, only because uh, in do- it was mostly from doing my research on this draft. I have no recollection of any of his seven catches the one touchdown catch in his one year as a starter for the Bills. Totally bland player who clearly did not leave an impression on many people. Uh, amen. But I'm excited to hear about your tight end selection now. Yeah, mine came down to two picks. And I'm not going to say the other one in case. And we actually had a fan who we want to thank for giving on the the buffalorumblings.com who went through and did like a third team leftovers from our best of uh, Bill's drought players. And I'm hoping this guy gets involved with other fans and their worst of picking up who we did not draft. So I'm not going to spill the beans on who I could have taken as my tight end. The one I'm going to take is somebody who is expected to have big contributions. It's not Charles Clay, but he was signed to a five-year contract after a pretty pedestrian career with, I believe, the Washington Redskins. Robert Royal is going to be my tight end uh, that I'm going to pick for the Buffalo Bills all worst of the drought year he stuck around long enough with the bills to play three years he only had 830 total receiving yards and seven touchdowns for the productivity that the bills were paying him he should have given them double those contributions at least and the offenses were terrible robert royal was also a bit of a penalty machine himself so i'm taking robert royal as my all inept tight end for the bills that's that's a good selection and you know it goes back to the hype machine when the bills were overpaying players to come into buffalo you you had expectations of these guys robert royal signed a pretty hefty deal and next thing you know dude's not making catches dude's not blocking and that that makes it worse in some cases than a guy like a david martin who for the life of me, I can't even picture him on the field. Yeah, the one, <laughs> one, eight, one, uh, one dubious season with the Buffalo Bills and did not, dot, dot, did not do much there. A common theme for a lot of our terrible Bills draft uh, here for the worst of the Buffalo Bills players during the drought era. Speaking of worsts, Jamie, my left tackle, I might put up there uh, as good as Jason Peters was. This left tackle was just as bad. And he also went through a pretty confusing name change as well once he left Buffalo. Demetrius Bell is going to be my left tackle. Ah. And dude, people probably remember him because he was, I think, 6'5", 320 pounds, didn't play football until he got to college. People, scouts fell in love with his raw physique and his, his talent. 
and it just never materialized. He had 30 starts for the Bills as a seventh-round pick. Now, they didn't spend that much draft capital to sign the guy, but he was just awful. He would get beat in his one-on-one matchups constantly. His technique was poor. And yet somehow, after three terrible seasons with the Bills, Philly gives him this ridiculous five-year deal saying he was one of the best free agent offensive linemen out there. So Demetrius Bell is my left tackle. And, you know, back when, well, back before Fitz, who went to uh, went to Harvard and wears his wedding band, which was mentioned in every telecast, we had Demetrius Bell. It was always mentioned that he was the son of Carl Malone, the basketball, Hall of Fame basketball player. It, it was amazing how often that was spoken of, yet didn't seem to translate into great, uh, great performance. <laughs> now, my left tackle, this, this one stands out in my mind because this is a guy who was a journeyman through most of his career, ended up in Buffalo, started half a season there, and then very famously, Buddy Nix kind of got pranked when somebody used their cell phone to connect him to the general manager of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And they were having a conversation back and forth where Buddy Nix didn't sound like the brightest guy. But anyway, this player at this point was on the Tampa roster. And the Tampa GM said, oh man, I can't find anybody to take this dude off of my hands. That was Jonathan Scott. Do you remember him starting at left tackle? I remember the story of Buddy Nix looking like a grandpa who got hacked and had no idea how to use technology. But Jonathan Scott does not ring a bell. So fill me in on this uh, this bum. This dude was an absolute, I'm going to call him a matador. He was really good at looking like he was about to block somebody and then he would almost get out of the way. He, <laughs> he was slow out of his stance. He got pushed backwards all the time if a speed rusher got around him anytime they wanted to he got pushed back into the quarterback's lap regularly and then he went on to play for uh, Tampa and Pittsburgh but really he was a backup because I I believe he played more than one position so teams would keep him around his depth he was never a guy that anybody wanted to start but hey this was Buffalo and this was a, a dark era so sure enough he was starting. We'll take your trash and try to find treasure. And that clearly was not the case with uh, with Jonathan Scott. How about your left guard? Who's going to be starting next to this fine young man? Oh, that's going to be another big money free agent. Benny Anderson. He came, he came over from the Ravens as a free agent and signed a big contract. And when he got to Buffalo, he was overweight And in his 14 starts, he committed nine penalties, was let go after one season. And after signing like a three or four year contract, they cut him straight away after that season. And then he only played in two more NFL games before his career was over. You know why? He got his money and then ate himself out of the league. (laughs) Sensing a theme here with a lot of these players. uh under underperforming their ridiculous contracts. I will continue that theme with my left guard. Uh, I mentioned uh, the guy who is most associated with this pick last week in my best of only because there were slim pickings to go through with this free agent uh, class that the bills had on the offensive line, but I'm going to go Derek Dockery as my left guard of, uh, of dubious distinction on this team mostly because he had a seven-year, $49 million contract with $18 million guaranteed for somebody who had proven serviceable with the Redskins, but definitely not of the Pro Bowl caliber. He only played two years in Buffalo. He started every game, but he was basically no better than a tackling dummy out there as far as providing protection for J.P. Lossman and Trent Edwards. So I'll go Derek Dockery based on his money situation and the fact that he was so nondescript with his play that it was like, what are you doing, Bills? Terrible selection. Yeah, it's it, it, these players end up really maligned when they sign the big money deal, and they get run out of town pretty fast if they don't perform up, up to the standard of, of their contract or even the reputation in his case. He had a good reputation before Buffalo, but it was one of those things where I think the free agents and these free agents ended up in Buffalo because nobody else wanted them, and Buffalo was just they were abysmal during that time period. Now for center, you know, center wasn't that bad of a position through the drought. Would you say that it wasn't, 
as bad as say the right hand side of the line? Yeah, this was it was tough to come down with a center, Jamie, because we've really had a lot of quality center play. We mentioned a lot of the guys last week, including Eric Wood, Trey Teague, and Jeff Hangartner. Uh, but center has had a lot more talent, a lot more hits than misses. Yeah, so I'm going to go with one. He wasn't he wasn't as terrible as some of the other players, but uh, I'm going to go with Duke Preston, who played with the team for four years, and in one year he was a full time starter, another year halftime. Uh, but along with with that recurring theme, after being with the team for four years, he was out of football. Nobody wanted him. You know, Jamie, uh, that's a great selection. He actually was going to be the guy I was going to go with as well. Uh, but instead, I have a guy who, if you wanted to go back at the 07-08 season, the Bills probably got the worst center play in the league, uh, necessitating the drafting of Eric Wood uh, with a first-round selection when you combined your boy, Duke Preston, and my boy, Melvin Fowler, who... Yep. <laughs> what an awful, awful center he was. Again, tons of penalties... Uh, He committed a bunch of false starts he had during his time in Buffalo. And at the age of 29, after a three-year stint with the Bills, he was out of the league. So another former Bill whose last days came playing for these awful Buffalo Bills. So that's my center on my all-drought worst of team. That was a good one. Well, thanks, bud. Thanks. And so is yours, of course, with Duke Preston. The right guard spot was a little bit challenging for me. Um, again, because even though there's been so many bad right guards and right tackles, how do you choose the worst of the worst? I'm going to go back to a guy who was a fifth round pick from the 2001 draft class. Marcus Sullivan is going to be my, my right guard. He started somehow all 16 games in 2002 as a right guard for a revolving door turnstile type offensive line that gave up a ton of sacks. Uh, definitely nothing to write home about with Marcus Sullivan, uh, as your right guard okay. and really somebody who only, again was only in the league for three years. And guess what? His last days playing in the league were with the Buffalo bills. So that's my guy. I remember him very clearly because that was the era the bills went through like six or eight years where you're constantly seeing jail breaks by the other team's defensive line, getting into the backfield, seemingly unblocked, all the damn time. It's like, what are they even doing out there? Like, if they fall down, they would at least slow these dudes down enough. Like, what, <laughs> like what were they yeah. doing? And Marcus Sullivan was going to be my pick because he was a penalty machine. Um, in that year that he started, I looked it up. He uh, committed 10 penalties. That's terrible. Uh, so I'm going to go with a guy who uh, started just a little bit after him. In fact, the following season, his name is Mike Pusillo and Buffalo drafted him in the seventh round. Uh, He started 12 games his rookie season, but was never a full-time starter after that. Um, And he he played for the Bills in 03 and 04. And then after 04 was out of football once again. So from starter to out of football within 18 months, not a good move. (laughs) Buffalo. Another terrible, terrible selection. And wrapping up the offense will be the right tackle, Jamie. Who you got as your right tackle? Who's going to be your blindside protector on this all awful team? This is the this is the no brainer of all of these, right? Like you, you really have to select Mike Williams. Yes, for this. you do. <laughs> um, from being the fourth overall selection in the in the O two draft. I mean, expectations of this guy were high, but this was Tom Donahoe as Buffalo's GM who liked to get cute in the draft. And if you wanted an offensive lineman, there was one sitting there that everybody knew was the best lineman in the country, and that was Bryant McKinney. Everybody knew that this guy was going to be a a 10-year foundation at left tackle, but no, Buffalo goes with the right tackle that has slow feet. So what makes that so awful is okay, it was not a it was not a great draft that year. Um Dwight Freeney was selected after that. Um but still you could have had this guy who had a 12-year career and made a Pro Bowl in Bryant McKinney. Instead, you selected Mike Williams, who after four years was sent packing. He played a year in Washington and then was done. 
he tried coming back to the league with the Redskins as a guard after again, stop me if you heard this before, eating his way out of the league. So, uh, and yeah, those what if scenarios, man, Bryant McKinney, even though McKinney underperformed a little bit based on what, you know, they thought he should have been a superstar in Minnesota, but he had a great stellar career and would have been awesome to have him protecting the blind side in Buffalo instead of your boy, Mike Williams. So that's basically the no brainer of the offense there for who you would take as your most inept player during the drought. So for me, I'm going to mention a guy who I think I teased a little bit last week on the pod. And I'm just obsessed with this guy because he's so nondescript and he didn't do anything well, but he somehow managed to play 11 games in 2010. It's Mansfield Rotto is going to be my right tackle. I love that name. (laughs) (laughs) He had, he committed seven penalties uh, during those 11 games. And again, just was a terrible, you know, didn't do anything well, run blocking or pass blocking. So he will be the quote unquote anchor who allows (laughs) EJ Manuel to get sacked 17 times a game. This ended up actually being a little bit more fun because it would there was a little more of, oh, yeah, I remember that guy than, ah, oh, Jesus, why did we stick with this team? But, you know, it does raise the question, what was the front office doing during this time period? I mean, so many misses when it came to their draft class and so many free agent busts. And uh, I think that's a perfect segue because I got to go with the second of the right tackles. I feel like I get the slam dunk home run of the defense for my all worst players of the drought. Defensive end Aaron Maben is going to be coming to my team as the first defensive selection uh, to me, this was a no-brainer. You know, you get drafted number 11 overall in 2009 as a premier edge rusher in the draft, and you proceed to get no sacks in your two seasons, coming after holding out uh, for a bigger contract uh, once you were drafted out of Penn State. Maben started one game in two seasons with the Bills, couldn't even make it through his third training camp with the team, and he was just, you talk about such a bust, bust, bust. It was Aaron Maben. And then the fact that he goes to the Jets and has a three-sack game, and you're just like, where the hell was this in Buffalo? This guy, Aaron Maben, persona non grata in Buffalo. What a joke. You know, the thing that was most frustrating about that selection was everybody knew that he had bust written all over him, and there was a player on the board that everybody knew should have been taken there. It should have been Brian Arakpo, who went on to have an all-pro season after that. And, you know, if they had taken Brian Arakpo, that may have been the best Bills draft class in history because coming after that came Eric Wood, Andy Levitre, and Jairus Bird. That was a pretty solid draft class out there. Yeah, imagine if it was a Rockpo instead of uh, Aaron, instead of Aaron Maben. What a what a difference that would have made for the Bills and their draft yeah. fortunes. Oh man! So for my defensive end, I'm going to go with a guy who was a, a third round pick, and he was with the Bills from uh, 2010 to 2013, and then again in 2015. Now this is a guy that I actually had a hard time putting in here because I really wanted to like the guy. He was a um, 3-4 defensive end, and you know 3-4 DEs don't really put up the stats uh, that 4-3 uh, defensive ends do. But at the same time, this guy just did nothing in his four or five seasons with the Bills. In, in that time period, he had 10 quarterback hits total in four sacks. That's just no production at all. Um, A total of 60 tackles in five years. Nothing. I mean, (laughs) that's pathetic. Uh, His name is Alex Carrington. Yep. Yep. That's a great one right there. (laughs) So now we move on to defensive tackle. And, you know, there there were some no-name guys that got in here. Now, there were some dudes that were really bad that showed up in that, but they didn't qualify because they didn't play enough games. Uh, Well, they didn't start enough games, I should say. So amongst the players that are not included here on my list, obviously, are going to be Terrell Troop and John McCargo. And we could go on and on about why those were horrible selections and why we hate the fact that they ended up in Buffalo at all. But for my defensive tackle, I'm going to go with Tim Anderson. And he started for a couple of years 
And in those two years that he started, well, I mean, he played for the Bills for four full seasons. But in those two years that he started, he was very nondescript. And he had two total quarterback hits and seven tackles for loss. I remember watching him and thinking to myself, I have never seen a defensive lineman spend so much time laying on the ground as this guy. Boy, that's Jamie, Tim Anderson. I mean, my goodness, you talk about, yeah, somebody who just, again, a tackling dummy could have done a better job uh, of doing the, getting the job done than what Anderson did for what the Bills were, were committing. And that's another example of a horrible horrible player, which is why our worst Bills teams are going to be so stacked because there's been so many bad players during the drought era. Uh, my defensive tackle is going to be somebody who has uh, a claim to fame of being part of the two worst defenses in Bills history in 2010 and 2011. He is Dewan Edwards, who used to play for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, in 56 career games, uh, he had two sacks. Then the Bills were like, you know what? We're going to throw $18 million at you to come over and improve the Buffalo defense. It didn't work well. He started 24 games, three and a half sacks before being cut in 2012. That's my defensive tackle, Dewan Edwards. Come on down. Man, that's a that's a good one. Um, and, and the thing is, I, I didn't think he was a bad player when the Bills signed him. I'm like, well, you know, he's coming from Baltimore, and man, they've got a stacked defense, and they draft well, and you know, I was a big fan of what Ozzie Newsome was doing back then and what Eric DaCosta is doing as their general manager now. And yeah, it just there was no production and they were terrible on D. Yeah, th- those teams were like and, and the, the Bills could put up points, but they would lose games 35, 34, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, it, it was awful. But that takes us to the linebackers. Is that uh, is that where you lead off? Yep, I get to go first with the linebackers, and I'm going to choose a guy who came to Buffalo when the Bills were looking for a veteran to try to push this team over the playoff hump. Uh, They were coming off a god-awful 2001 season. There were some young players they were trying to build around, including, of course, Mike Williams. And the Bills reached out and signed a former second-round pick named Eddie Robinson of the Houston Oilers. And when Eddie played in 2002 – starting right side linebacker, 15 of 16 games. He was clearly at the end of his road. Uh, He won very forgettable season as a starter. Uh, He had eight pass breakups, one interception, no sacks, clearly a player at the end of the line out there. So for me, Eddie Robinson uh, had a good career before coming to Buffalo, but nothing left in the tank. And uh, this speaks both to, I think, the, the high quality of linebackers that Buffalo has produced and the fact that it's just, I don't know, it's hard for me to find a linebacker who was worse than Eddie Robinson. Could you top that, Jamie? You know, Eddie Robinson was one of those players that, again, we were fed that line of shit where they're talking about, oh, it's great having him. He's like a coach on the field. Well, yeah, I, you know, there's a coach on the sideline too. He doesn't make any tackles. Same with Eddie Robinson. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you know, I, I think that a player that was even worse now, you ready for this one? This was a guy who you had on your best of list. One of the worst linebackers they've ever had on the Buffalo Bills was Chris Kelsey. That was when the Bills switched from a 4-3 to a 3-4 front and then moved Chris Kelsey, who is a hand-in-the-dirt defensive end. They switched him to outside linebacker. That was not his position, and that's what they did to him in uh, the last couple of years of his career. And, you know, he was an effort guy, and he still made plays, but you're taking a guy and putting him somewhere where he doesn't belong, that's just not going to win you games. Yeah, that's a terrible uh, way to switch out somebody who, again, yeah, a hand in the dirt, edge rusher, you know, get after the quarterback, make some good plays in the backfield, and you move Kelsey who had been really, really solid as a defensive end out to the left outside linebacker, a horrible, horrible spot, horrible switch for him. And again, another reason why the Bills missed the playoffs for 17 years. You take a position of strength and you weaken it. What are you doing? Yeah, man, when they were doing that, they they then brought in the the three, four defensive linemen, and they had actually two former defensive linemen starting at linebackers. They had one of the slowest defenses in the NFL that year, and it was just like, this isn't going to work, guys. 
you can't just move a player to a position where he doesn't belong and expect success. (laughs) It does not work that way, but those are our Buffalo bills for us. So that is your starting linebacker. It's a great selection, a sneaky selection. Now, Jamie comes to a really tough part for me, at least I'm not sure how much fun or difficulty you had with a cornerback spot. Who is going to be your cornerback on this team? This one, I, I could really only come up with one. And it was the guy that former head coach Wade Phillips once referred to as not the punt returner, but the punt catcher because he was so bad at returning kicks. And that would be Chris Watson, who was on the team between 2000 and 2002. He was a starter in 2002 at the beginning of the season. And in eight games, he had seven penalties uh, between uh, pass interference and holding calls, uh, illegal contact downfield. He was just targeted endlessly by the other teams to the point that they eventually had to just put him on the bench and deactivate him because he was so bad out there. Gosh, that is a that's a name from the past. I hadn't thought about him in I can't tell you the last time I thought about him. So you you did a really good job of <laughs> digging somebody up from the from the Bills graveyard uh to fit here on Bill Eve. And I like your I like your tie-in. Jamie, my guy, I'm gonna go with is my cornerback. Because again, there's so many good corners the Bills have had. It was hard to find somebody who would really fit this bill, but ha, huh, pun intended. Um, this player is actually an original bill. He played his entire career with the Bills. He never got to play in any of the Super Bowl era teams, but he was drafted right after the Super Bowl era ended for Buffalo. He was on the 99 playoff team starting 14 games, but he also was on 2000 and 2001 and parts of 2002. It's Ken Irvin, the cornerback, is going to be my selection. And Ken Irvin is just, again, another one of those nondescript you know, players for the Bills. It would have been Vontae Davis if we didn't have a starts minimum because he couldn't make it through one full home game before walking away. But, you know, Ken Irvin started at the right cornerback spot for two years. He had 11 pass breakups and two interceptions during those two seasons and just did not have the height, did not have the speed, and he was not a very good cover corner. And again, clearly at the end of his career as well. So for me, I'm going with Ken Irvin as my cornerback. That was that's a good selection. He was at the end of his career. He was he was certainly you know a competent player in his early days, but age gets to these guys, and you know you lose a step as a as a DB, and the next thing you know, receivers are going right around. You. <laughs> um, so that leads us to safety. I'm interested to see what you're going to come up with here. So my safety selection and the reason I'm going with him, he had more talent. I'm going to say worst as this is going to be including both on and off field moments. And I know exactly where you're going. (laughs) (laughs) I play for the Buffalo Bills. I am worth millions. Co Simpson, come on down. You are going to be the starting safety on my worst Bills players of the drought era. I might be cheating a little bit on this one, Jamie, because his stats weren't terrible. Um, As a rookie, he was forced into starting uh, after an injury. He had two interceptions his rookie season. He had two interceptions in 2008 after missing most of 07 with a broken ankle. But for me, Co Simpson is on this team because him and his friend were speeding on New Year's Day after partying the friend who's driving is going is getting arrested by the officer. And Co Simpson, rather than sitting there and being like, all right, my buddy's taking one, I'm going to stay out of the limelight, decides to go after the police officer. And again, you know, he, he doesn't physically attack him, but he's all confrontational, wondering why his buddy's getting arrested. And he drops the phrase, I'm Co Simpson with the Buffalo Bills. I am worth millions. Don't you know who I am? That line always works, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, especially when law enforcement is involved, Jamie, it always gets you off the hook. So I'm going to go with a guy who was picked up by the Bills in 2000. Uh, I can't remember if he was drafted or if this guy was an undrafted free agent, but he played for the Bills in 2000 and 2001. He started full time in his second year, but he had zero interceptions and only 54 tackles from the safety position. His name is Rayon Hill, and then after his second season, he was out of football. So from starter to jobless. I've never heard that one before, Jamie, that a Bills player ended their career in Buffalo after accomplishing absolutely nothing out there. (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I just, I, again, this, this pattern of guys going from starter to not even good enough to be a backup on another team kind of tells you all you need to know about that period of them missing the playoffs. Oh, yes, absolutely. It was pure incompetence out there. And, you know, we're almost at the end, Jamie, of our of our worst players of the Bills drought era. And we're going to go with a kicker and a punter. And you get to go first on the kicker. Now, who do you have? Okay. Um, I'm going with this guy for an interesting sentimental reason. Um, I'm picking Shane Graham, who was with the Bills in 2001, only made seven, 75% of his field goals over the course of six games. Uh, now, he ended up bouncing around the NFL for 15 years and really didn't have a bad career. However... I had a former roommate named Maya, and Maya went to Virginia Tech. And when she went to Virginia Tech, she dated Shane Graham, who also went to Virginia Tech. And I think Maya's great, and Shane Graham is a ginger, just like me. So <laughs> he's my sentimental favorite for this position. Nice. I like that. <laughs> it's it's hard, Jamie, because the Bills have, you know, kicker is a tough position for, for us to come up with. But for me... I don't have a personal connection to this, but my guy was a guy who was signed to replace Steve Christie uh, after the 2000 season. So heading into 2001, the Bills signed an undrafted free agent named Jake Arians to be their kicker. And it did not go well. Uh, He appeared in 10 games. He was money from 30 yards and in going six of six. But beyond 30, he went six of 15 and there's a reason that was his only season <laughs> in the NFL. You count those six chippies that he made. He made 57% of his field goals. Jake Arians, not good. Not good at all. But now the thing is, when you move on to punter. Oh, boy. This was I, – I don't even like – I'm going to pick somebody just because they had the lesser of the stats because you've got the all – pro Bills punter Brian Mormon, and we can't go Corey Bajorquez because he doesn't count under our standards. Right. So I And Brian Mormon got he he punted for what, like 17 of or 13 of those 17 years without playoffs? Yeah, he was he was a mainstay for sure. So I guess the guy I'm gonna go with is Sean Powell, uh who in two seasons averaged nearly 45 yards a punt for the Bills but I believe I recall him having a bit more of a touchback problem where his punts weren't pinned inside the opposing opposing opponent's 20 yard line. So I'll go Sean Powell as my punter. Jamie, who are you taking? Um, That pretty much only leaves one other player, um, which is Colton Schmidt, who wasn't even that bad. That goes to show you the punting position has been a position of strength for the bills during this uh, drought era that we've gone through. Now we've wrapped up all of the positions we want to do real quick a head coach. Jamie, who is going to lead your inept squad onto the field for the worst of? Well, you know, this guy ended up having a really good squad for a year or two, but that was mostly because Tom Donahoe supplied the team with so much talent. The guy was just utterly dislikable, and he hasn't been head coach since then because of that, even though he's a great defensive mind. I'm going with Greg Williams because he's an asshole. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. (laughs) The bounty gate with New Orleans. He just looks like a douche. I mean, what a terrible, terrible coach. He went 17 and 31 during the 01, 02, and 03 season. So Jamie's squad will be led by Greg Williams. And for me, it's really hard to think of who I would want to lead this squad because there's not, I mean, you know, there's some bad coaches that the bills have had, but if you talk about ineptitude and you talk about somebody who was clueless on the field, I'm taking Dick Jerron. I feel like, I don't know how the bears won 13 games that one year with him where Mike Brown and all that great defense was returning interceptions for touchdowns. They won in spite of Dick Jerron in Buffalo. They did not win with Dick Jerron at all. They went 24 and 33 during the 06, 07, 08, and 09 seasons. And Dick Jerron was so vanilla that he's perfect to coach this team. You know, that's a very interesting selection because his winning percentage as a coach wasn't that bad, but he always just had this look of a dead man walking on the sidelines and was totally inept when it came to dealing with the media. It, he, if he had any of Rex Ryan's pizzazz, he probably could have stuck around because he repeatedly went seven and nine 
And there's other head coaches who's whose records were far worse than that. Oh, for sure. But, you could have taken Chan Gailey. Sure. You know, 16 and 32. But I think for me, it's the overall sentiment of a team going nowhere, a team that might give you some glimmers of hope before falling back into the recesses of the abyss. And so for me, that's why Dick Geron is my head coach. I mean, we're talking about a guy who punted from the other team's 32 yard line on fourth and four. Like what in the world? Is that guy doing? <laughs> awful, awful guy. Awful. Uh, I'm sure he's a nice guy, but awful coach. Awful person to have. And and now, Jamie, now that we've wrapped up this podcast here, I really hope that this has been therapeutic for you. It's certainly been therapeutic for me to get this out. And 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 you know, our our Bills Mafia fans, you guys are listening to free therapy here as we get you through these difficult days. And again, remember, even though these players sucked and the Bills missed the playoffs 17 years in a row, we are no longer that team. That is a thing of the past, and we shall all revel in that. Absolutely. There's a real silver lining here, because if you look at the players that started that we named off here, probably wouldn't even be good enough to be backups at some of the positions that the Bills have. And I'm in particular thinking about the offensive line where the Bills' current offensive line isn't great. It's it's average at best, I think. And, you know, that's certainly something that we can debate. Uh, I know you're much higher on them than I am. But at the same time, they've got a lot of guys that are fringy starters that could start anywhere in the league and um, their backups are right there with them. So I, I think that what we're looking at is a, a team right now that is very obviously on the rise. The The national media is starting to recognize that. And, It's really going through this really lets me look at what we've got now. And the current bird in the hand is certainly something to be excited about because we don't have any of these chumps filling out the roster anymore. No, we do not. Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean and co have done a great job overhauling this roster. And like you mentioned, hope springs eternal. The bills have a lot of optimism heading into the 2020 season. And now that we've closed the door on our drought era draft, we will get ready to focus on more of the Bills' future moving forward in 2020, what this team can accomplish. But Jamie, I want to take one last moment and thank you for this great podcast idea. It's been a lot of fun, and hopefully people will get involved on Twitter at the Jamie D'Amico and at John Boccasino sharing your thoughts on this week's episode of the worst of the Bills draft from the drought era. Oh, man, it it wasn't my idea. It was your idea, too. And really, I want to hear what everybody else has thought about the worst players that we may have missed along the way. Get involved in the conversation, guys. BuffaloRumblings.com. You can find us on Twitter. I gave you our handles at the Jamie D'Amico and at John Boccasino. Uh, signing off on the Believe podcast. I am John. He is Jamie. We'll talk to you guys next week on Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast.